0: Good morning, good morning Raboutai. Breakfast and the Class is sponsored today in memory of Diane Azrak, Dina Batsara, Alea Shalom, sponsored by Frida and Adam Azrak uh, in memory of Adam's mother. Breakfast and the class is also sponsored in memory of Laszlo Grossman, his Ben and has shalom, sponsored by his daughter Tracy Cohen. And finally, uh, Breakfast and the Class is also today been sponsored the Fuash for Fashimuel. Ben Shoshana Abutai, I wanted to share with you a very interesting idea uh, and perhaps something which maybe I don't know, you've never thought of I, I know that it wasn't something that came to me ever before before I, uh, I noticed it this year so what a beautiful thing it is to be part of uh, the study group of a Torah where no matter how much we study and how much we learn uh, it always teaches us and reveals new uh, uh, wisdom, new elements of understanding. So, the Ben Yishchai asks a very simple question. We all understand and we all know that the Jewish people, before they received the Torah, before they received the land of Eretz Israel, so they have to go through the process of slavery in uh, in ancient Egypt. Now, it's important to understand that um, it seems as if the requirement for being able to get This uh, Torah, the requirement for being able to move to Eretz Israel is only uh, after the Jewish people move from Eretz Israel down to the land of Egypt under uh, Paro. And the question is would it not have been much easier, would it not have been much safer, uh, and would it not have been much more comfortable for the Jewish people to never have to go down from Eretz Israel down to Misraim? That clearly is something that would have been. Uh, a, a lot easier, let them stay there let them learn, let them continue to grow as Yaakov's family what's the reason they need to be taken, uprooted from Editz Israel, brought down to the land of Egypt, made into slaves then eventually turning back to come uh, back to the land to fight all the way back to the place where they were already before, what is the idea, what is the uh, the concept here and um, the Ben Yishchai gives a very very powerful Masha, he says it was uh, once a young man uh, who got married to a wonderful woman and as time went on, they realized that they would be unable to have children. So what could they do? They, uh, they went to a local orphanage and they found a young man whose parents had both passed away. And they said to this young man, they said, listen, you know, you have no place to live. Why don't you come stay by us and we'll adopt you and we'll take care of you as if you were one of our very own. Okay. The young man moves into the house as a young child, first he's very very frightened, it's not something which uh, which he's used to, but eventually uh, he eventually moves uh, into the home and it becomes second nature to him that he's there and over time he becomes more and more comfortable in this place, over time he becomes more and more uh, at home and he recognizes that these people only have his best interests at heart. You know, one day uh, at the front door of this uh, wealthy man's house there's a knock the wife is sitting there watching from the living room and she sees her Her husband goes to the front door and there's a poor man there and the man says you know sir can I have a donation please can I have some sedaka?" the rich man the adopted father he says of course reaches in his pocket but instead of giving uh, five or ten dollars he pulls out a hundred dollar bill and he gives the guy a hundred dollars the guy is thankful like you can't believe it you know, blessing him in the day he was born, and he's blessing his wife, and he's telling him that he should have Hatzlacha in business and everything that he wants should be his. I mean, never could you imagine a more, uh, a more, a happier uh, poor man. Anyway, after about ten minutes of this uh, uh, blessings, the wife says to her husband, "You know, I think the kid that we got, I think he's a defective." He says, what do you you mean he's defective? He said, look at this poor guy. He knocked at the door. We gave him $100. And for 20 minutes, he can't stop giving us a berachah, blessing us. Here we have an adopted son living in the house. We give him clothes. We give him food. We give him shelter. We paid for his education. We did everything, 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 everything for him. I think uh, it seems to me that this kid is uh, not a grateful child. Maybe he's not a good kid. Husband says, you know something? Think you're right he says but i don't think the problem is with the kid he says i think the problem is with us the mother says how so he says look give me a week and i'll show you and this way we'll be able to test the theory if i'm right or if i'm wrong the man comes to his son he says son sit down here on the bed he sits down next to him and he says today you turned 17 years old or 18 whatever he goes and we've sponsored you in every possible way we've given you whatever you needed, we've paid for your education, you didn't lack for anything in this home. And the young man says, "It's true, true. He says, well now it's time, you're ready an adult, for you to go out on your own, and to make your own way. Go out to the world with all the resources that we've given you, with all of the education that you have, you know, get a job, support yourself first the kid thinks it's a joke but after a while he realizes his father's not joking so he gets all of his stuff together, he bids goodbye to his uh, adopted parents and he goes out on the street that night was a rude awakening for this young man who grew up uh, you know taking everything for granted he didn't have any warm clothes he didn't have any heat there was no bed to sleep on, he slept on the street he wakes up the next morning still wearing his very nice clothing but now it's wrinkled and now it's dirty he hasn't had dirty clothes for uh for 10-15 years somebody always took care of it and uh he realizes he's got no money in his pocket he needs to eat so first things first he goes to the uh to the local grocery the store that he sees nearby he says listen you know um my parents have given me so much for so long it's now time for me to take care of myself can I have a job the grocer sees him every day he says are you kidding me what do you mean you come here all the time you order stuff on on the family's bill I, I know you I know you for, for so long he says look this is what it is this is the reality the man says listen you know here have a sandwich on me please don't worry about it he goes if you need a job if you need to do something no problem come back to me you know I'm, I could always find you a job you know schlepping the boxes that people order back to their houses the guy thinks okay you know what am I gonna do i will put some money in my pocket he takes the sandwich and he starts delivering boxes but it's a very small amount of money and people who saw him thought you know this is the rich man's son he doesn't need money, he's probably doing it like an internship or something to write on his uh, resume so nobody gives him any money slowly time goes by, a week, two weeks, three weeks the kid's lost 15, 20 pounds already because he can only buy food when he has money his clothing looks terrible. He smells. He hasn't been able to afford a place of his own, so he's been sleeping on the streets. You know, from the top of the heap to the uh, to the bottom of the pile. Anyway, after two full weeks go by, the husband says to his wife, he says, now we'll see if I'm right or if you're right. He tracks the boy down. He says, "Come, come to the house. You know, your mother and I want to talk to you anyway comes to the house knocks on the door opens the door the father says listen you know we've been thinking about it and we decided whatever you had before we're going to give you back now you know uh, we thought it's, it was a crazy thing that we did to kind of send you out there without the proper training without setting you up without connections you know we decided you know what maybe we'll wait a little while for that we'll ease you into it when the time comes but for right now we're calling off the plants. The boy starts crying. And he hugs his father and he hugs his mother and he's kissing their feet. And he's telling them, you know, he hasn't realized how much he had from them until these last two weeks. He appreciates socks. He appreciates underwear. He appreciates heat. He appreciates food. He appreciates a pillow. He appreciates a, you know, an alarm clock in the morning. Every single thing in the house that he took for granted, now he appreciates and understands and values. And he can't stop thanking his parents and he can't stop... Every time he sees them, he bursts into tears and he hugs them and he shows them how much love he has. husband turns to his wife that night and he says, Was I right or were you right? Was our son defective? Was he someone who doesn't appreciate good? Is he someone who doesn't know how to say thank you? Or is he just someone that, like everyone else in this world, gets used to things? And once you get used to things... You stop seeing them. You know, Am Yisrael lived in Eretz Israel as the children of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and they were royalty. You know, the way the Avimelech treats them, they, with the way they come into Egypt, like they own the place back in the day, you know, even though uh, they, they were coming starving, and yet they came in in different she'arim, and they were notice- it was noticeable that the Shabbatim. We're entering into Eretz Misraim, you know, it was a big deal. Um, I think a little bit of what goes on with the Jewish people is the story of uh, of the Ben of the Mashal. It would have been much more comfortable for them to stay in Eretz Israel and get the Torah. It would have been much more comfortable for them to never move. It would have been much more comfortable, but, you know, being a Jewish person requires a person to have the level and understanding and faith that comes and is born out of a sense of gratitude for everything that you've been given, for everything that you are. And if that's the case, you couldn't just let them stay where they were. Because that same child, two weeks later, has hakarat and understands everything that he's been given. You know, you take Am Yisrael and they go all the way down to the bottom of the pit as slaves in Misraim. For two hundred years, then they come back, and everything is a gift. That's how a person enters back into Eretz Yisrael, understanding that everything is a gift. That's how a person receives the Torah, understanding that every breath that we get by the grace of God is uh, is a present, and it's not something we we've earned, and it's not something God own you know owes us. It's a berachah, a present from Him that. You know we could never repay even in the tiniest amount so I think there's a beautiful lesson over here because exactly the story of the Ben Yishchai is what happens with Moshe himself do you ever wonder why did Moshe Rabbeinu all the Jewish people why did he have to wind up in the house of Paro why did he have to be you know all these things that happened to him you know wouldn't it have been easier if he just stayed in the yeshiva of, of Shevet Levi he just learned from Amram the Gadol Ador he became the biggest Sadiq, the biggest Tamichacham. wouldn't that have been enough? and the answer is no absolutely he wouldn't have the mashal is that the Jew Am Yisrael had to be thrown out of their house to recognize the gift of a home to recognize that feeling of connection with HaKadosh Baruch Hu you need to feel far sometimes in order to truly appreciate feeling close and if that's the case so what Am Yisrael was going to experience was shown in a microcosm in their leader in Moshe. Taken from a place, Shevet Levi, no slavery, no suffering. Brought to the house of Paro, made into the Prince of Egypt. Ten minutes later, you know, his, uh, his morality is tested. He sees his brother being, you know, being beaten. He stands up for him even though it's going to cost him dearly. He's driven into Galut, he becomes a slave himself. Locked up in prison in the basement of Yitro, eventually marries Zipporah comes back again. I mean, it's an amazing thing. The story of the Jewish people is the story of Moshe. The ability to come back to your people and appreciate every Jew, to come back and appreciate uh, when you know when you're not home, even the brother that you don't like. You know, you come back, you give him a hug because all the things that set you apart from them. You start to fade away when you don't spend time together, and you're able to focus only on the on the positive elements of his character. So Moshe Rabbeinu takes a hiatus; he leaves Egypt, goes to Midian, and until he eventually comes back, and um, and he's able to empathize with and connect with every single Jew. If you're a, a slave, Moshe Rabbeinu understands you. He wouldn't have if he'd have stayed as a as a levy in uh, in Egypt he wouldn't have he would not have been able to understand he might have sympathized but he couldn't empathize you know if you were a wealthy Jew or a wealthy person Moshe Rabbeinu was able to uh, connect to you because he, he grew up in the house of Baro. and you know what rich people and poor people both have their tests and, uh, and sometimes the challenges facing a poor person and the challenges facing a rich person are very very run very very deep i always say this you know you grow up very wealthy you fall in love and you wonder if the person loves you for you or they love you for your money is that not a, a very challenging thing is that not a test that a person who grows up poor never actually asked to experience so maybe yeah they have to hustle more for their money but they know that when they experience love it's true it's genuine when they experience friendship it's not agenda driven there's so many different things um, that people coming from different backgrounds um, you know feel differently Moshe was part of the pack but outside the pack he was someone who understood what it felt like to be challenged when they called into question whether or not he was allowed to marry Zipporah. he was able to empathize with people who felt uh, maybe illegitimate he was able to connect with and uh, and feel what what someone felt if they were imprisoned if they needed a second chance. He was able to feel the pain of someone who was disabled. He had to burn his mouth in the story of Paro. He was able to uh, feel and connect to the challenges of someone in power and with leadership. Moshe Rabbeinu, because he was the uh, unique soul that embodied and encompassed all of his people, which is what a leader is supposed to be, um, he had to be able to connect with each and every single person. So that's that's the story of Moshe, and that's the story of the Jewish people. And sometimes I think that this story from a long time ago is also the story of each and every human being today. You know, we go through situations um, and difficulties and challenges, and we wonder to ourselves, why in the world is God taking me down this path? And I think sometimes, especially so, where the path that we went down just seems like it was entirely unnecessary like you get a scare that turns out to be nothing why do I need to live through that? like if I had to get sick by none because I deserve that, I get it alright, but if, if I didn't get sick, so why would I be put in the position to be afraid of the fact that I was? You know, Why did my Shalom Bayit have to be on the rocks, even for a short amount of time, to make me think that my marriage was ending, if it wasn't actually ending? If it was ending, and that was part of the story, I get it. If not, though, what was, what's the purpose in, in these things that happen? And I think one of the things that we learn from Moshe Rabbeinu is that our experiences in life are, co- are colored by the narrative of our path. And because that's the case So it may not have been comfortable For the Jewish people to leave and come back It may not have been easy For the Jewish people to leave and come back But it was the only way The only way that Am Yisrael Could be an Orla Goim. The only way that Moshe Rabbeinu Could be a leader to the people And perhaps the only way that you can be The parent that you need to be The only way that you can be the child that you need to be or the friend that you need to be in life is for you to have gone through that experience so that when someone comes to you and they tell you with a broken heart about how you could never understand you could say to them I don't know your pain but I think I understand you know, I had to deal with once with this and what saved me back then was this bit of wisdom that I learned or this habit that I you know, started practicing or this Mida that I worked on um, and I think sometimes the only people that people who go through something can listen to is someone who they feel actually understands where they are because of where they've been so uh, write down in a little notebook when you go through something write down what you learned write down uh, what you experienced and how you grew and then wait And you will see that the time will rebound back, will boomerang back. And suddenly your knowledge in that area, your experience in that area, is an incredibly valuable tool to have. uh, I'm reminded over and over and over and over of the words of Yosef Asadiq. When he says, You didn't send me here. You know who sent me here? God sent me here. Why? shelachani God sent me here um, for sustenance There was a famine at the time And they needed food And now Yosef could provide food And I think that sometimes We get sent to places So that we can become sources of michya Of life We can become lifelines to people around us Who needed someone who understood exactly what they needed. So look out. Look out for those experiences. Uh, After you've written down yours, look out and you'll see somehow someone will cross your path. Someone usually that you love and that you care about will cross your path. And you'll be able to dig into into your pocket and say, oh my gosh. You know... I was a counselor in camp for many many years and in almost invariably every single summer there would be one kid who would give you uh, an epipen an epipen is uh, ep- uh, epinephrine it's something that's used when a child goes into anaphylactic shock or is potentially going into anaphylactic shock because they're allergic to peanuts or God knows what or cashews or uh, or I don't know what whatever they... or bee stings, you know. And you carry this little pen in your pocket the whole summer. From the minute, you know, you're... Uh, you, you go out, in the beginning, the first day, you go to baseball, you go play a game, you got it in your pocket. And you it's with you. Morning, noon, and night. Shabbat, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The whole week, 24-7, you carry it around. And you know what? And you hope you never use it. But oftentimes there is that moment when suddenly the emergency pops up and having it in your pocket means that you save that person's life. This experience is like an EpiPen. Maybe not for yours, maybe not for your children, but for someone that you care about. And if you are paying attention, you just might get the chance to save a life.